When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So in other um, Gospels, it talks about not only were the cloaks thrown on the ground, but palm branches were thrown on the ground as well. So that's why it's called Palm Sunday. So what happened before this? We need to keep in mind that not only was everything Jesus said important, what he did was equally important. Jesus' words and actions always matched up. He demonstrated in his own life how we should live. We need to ask ourselves, do my words, do my actions sort of match up? Or are my words different to the actions that I do? Before Jesus entered Jerusalem, two events take place. One is the incident with Lazarus. Now, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. And he had two sisters, Martha and Mary. And so if they told Jesus by messenger, and that's not text message, they had to send somebody to run to him, so if that Lazarus was ill and he was dying and that Jesus had to come quickly because otherwise he'd die. But when Jesus heard this, he didn't run off to go to Lazarus. He spent more days where he was and just waited. And then he eventually sort of went to Bethany sort of where Lazarus lived. But when he got there, Lazarus had died. So Mary and Martha were not happy with Jesus at all. You can imagine, it was like, we told you to come. We told you he wasn't well. We told you he needed you, and you didn't come. So if you can imagine, they were really quite cross. So if, and we think, Oh, but we don't hear that in the Bible. But wouldn't you be, you know, so if you've said to somebody, come quickly, and they didn't come? You know, Jesus, it's your fault he's dead. You could have prevented this. If you'd have turned up when we told you, he would still be alive. I wonder how often we are like that with God. If we don't say it aloud, we might think it. God, you should have showed up sooner. You should have stopped that situation from happening. I think we can be very quick to tell God what to do rather than ask him what he wants to do in the situation that we're in. Jesus is sad that Lazarus is dead. He weeps, but he's not worried because he knows what God the Father has planned. So to cut a long story short, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. The morning party, which would have been very many, were amazed at the miracle Jesus had done. Jesus must be something really special to be able to raise the dead. Maybe he is the Messiah. Maybe he's the one that they expected. 
to come and overthrow the Romans, to free them from where they were under sort of oppression from the Roman Empire. So where Lazarus lived, Jesus left there and went up to Jerusalem. And many of the crowd that were there sort of followed him. Many would have seen the miracle. So no doubt when Jesus, they they had no doubt that Jesus was therefore powerful. And they were excited at the possibility and expectant of what he was going to do when he got to Jerusalem. So the second event was the disciples arguing with each other about who was the greatest. Each wanted to be the boss. Each wanted to be in control. Each wanted to tell the others what they should do. But Jesus quickly put a stop to that because he said, if you want to be the greatest, you must be the servant of all. And I look at that story and I think it's easy for us all to say disciples were a load of Muppets. Fancy arguing about who's the greatest. That's not something that we'd do, is it? We're not like that. You know, we wouldn't let anybody sort of think we would argue about being the greatest. But if we ask ourselves, do you expect people to drop what they're doing if you ask them to do something for you? Is it like, I want this done now, so I'm going to ask you to do it? Drop what you're doing, stop eating your banana, and come and do it. So if we do, don't we? There's times where we think, you know, what I want is more important than what somebody else wants. Do you consider your opinions more important than somebody else's? Do you expect to be recognized all the time? See, Jesus not only honored others and showed humility with his words, he did so with his actions. In Matthew 11:28 and 30, it says this. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary from carrying your heavy load. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is the humble king. He's the king of kings, but he's not a proud ruler. Is a humble servant king who requests us to follow his example. So with these two events in mind, we go with the crowd and the disciples to Jerusalem. Outside Jerusalem, we read that Jesus sent two of the disciples off to get a donkey and a colt. And while we wait for them to get the donkey and the colt, you've got a piece of card on your table. And a pen. And I want you to write, talk, talk amongst yourselves, but I want you to write who you believe God is, what he has done for you, and what he can do in your life. So you've got 10 minutes. And then when you've done the writing, just before the 10 minutes are up, I want you to fold the box and make it into a box. And All the boxes should actually make up quite well. And if you need sellotape, stick your hand up. But some tables have got it already. Okay, off you go. So who is God? What has he done in your life? And what do you expect him to do? Okay, so when you put your box together, if you just put it to one side for now. And then we'll get back to it in a minute. 
So, Jesus, sort of, now you've done your box, the donkey's arrived. So the donkey is now there. So Jesus demonstrates with actions, not just words, his humility. Jesus, the man who is God, who raised the dead, who could call on a legion of angels to chase out the Roman army establishment and establish his rule in Jerusalem, does not get on a white charger. He does not enter Jerusalem as a conquering king, which many of the crowd were expecting him to do. They were hoping that he would chase out the Romans. But Jesus gets on a donkey, but a donkey's colt. So in other words, a young donkey. So it was smaller than a donkey. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace, not a King of War. So the passage we read at the beginning says Jesus wept over Jerusalem and said, If you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus was right there before them, but they did not know who he was or what he was able to do for them. The crowd were expecting the Prince of Peace after the Roman army had been defeated. They had expectations of how their salvation would come. They wanted the Romans overthrown. They wanted to be saved their way. As the crowd cried out, Hosanna, which meant save us to Jesus, they expected the Romans to be chased out. They did not know that to know Jesus was to know peace. Jesus does not always remove our difficulties and people who oppose us aren't always taken out of our path. He is the Prince of Peace, even in the storm. For example, I was accused of uh, trying to nick a friend's boyfriend, which was totally untrue, but it actually was untrue. But sort of, I hate being accused of things that I haven't done. I get really sort of agitated about it and it sort of like makes me really cross. So I'd been accused of this and sort of obviously you know what people are like. And sort of my head's going sort of round in a spin of what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do. And now I'm going to sort it out. And then sort of I'm feeling sort of my heart starting to get really tight and heavy. You know, sort of when you're feeling things, oh, this isn't right at all. And it's like, well, I can't sort it out. People say what they say, don't they? Sort of they say things that aren't true. And you've got to live with it. But sort of my head wasn't wanting to live with it and my heart wasn't wanting to live with it. And I had to say, Jesus, you know, sort of you're the only one that can sort this out. And he didn't sort out the situation because people say what they say. But his peace came in when I asked. And I think that's sort of the key, you know, sort of, We've got to ask for the Prince of Peace. We've got to know him. And when we ask him to come into our situation, he will. Now, your situation won't change. Mine didn't change overnight. It changes eventually. But sort of the in the storm, you still have peace because the Prince of Peace gives peace in the storm. Not just 
having to sort it out first. So ask yourself, are you worried, fearful, ashamed, helpless, hopeless, have no peace in any situation at all? And if the answer is yes, the question is, have you invited Jesus into that situation? For if you know Jesus in that situation, you will know peace. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither be afraid. Peace I leave you. And then in Philippians 4, verse 6, he says, And the peace that surpasses all understanding And that's the peace that Jesus gives. It's the peace which we can experience in the middle of our worst difficulty, in the middle of our worst storm. My favourite verse on peace is Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says, I will keep in perfect peace him or her whose mind is steadfast because they trust me. And that's where the peace comes. When we trust Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he will keep us in peace in our hearts and our minds. So Jesus gets on the colt as the Prince of Peace. He demonstrates, as he does so, to the disciples, real humility. So he's not set up majestically on a white charger. He's sat on a little donkey. Can you imagine a full-grown man sat on a little donkey? His legs are nearly dragging on the floor. They might even have been dragging on the floor. He's not going to be looking very majestic. It looked quite strange, really. But Jesus wasn't bothered what people thought he looked like. He wasn't bothered what people thought about him because he knew who he was. And he knew who his father was. And he knew he was loved by his father. And he wanted to get across, not just by words, but by his actions to his disciples, that it isn't about what people think about you. It's what God thinks about you that matters. And we need to learn that too. We need to learn that it's not what others think about us that counts. It's what God thinks about us. Jesus knew he was completely loved and had no need to fear anything. You and I are completely loved by God the Father. And it says perfect love, which is God's love for us, casts out all fear. So God's love for us is perfect. So Jesus rides this donkey's colt into Jerusalem and the crowds are shouting, Hosanna, save us, laying down their cloaks, putting palm branches across his path. A great fuss was being made. The noise and the spectacle sort of was great. The people in Jerusalem were saying, what's going on? What's going on? You can sense the expectation of the crowd, of the disciples Something's going to be happening. It's going to be amazing. We're going to get our freedom. 
sort of Jesus is going to chase out sort of the Romans. This is it. Freedom is coming. But no, Jesus didn't take up kingship then. He does not overthrow the Romans. The crowd's expectations are not met. What an anticlimax. How disappointing. How confused they must have felt. They expected something great and nothing happened. So some of the same crowd that were in that joyful procession just a few days later were shouting crucify, crucify. Their disappointment had turned to anger. Just like the crowd, we can often get confused or expect God to do something in a certain way or at a certain time, and he doesn't do it. And we can get angry. We can get upset and maybe even walk away from God. God says in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. As high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than your ways. That's a shock, isn't it? For often we think God thinks like we do, and should do things the way we do. And we think God should do things our way a lot of the time. So, why have you got a box on the table with what you think God is like written inside it? Well, firstly, to remind you that no matter how much you might know about God and how much you've put God in there, God's bigger than that. Doesn't matter how much we think we know about him is far bigger than what we've put in the box. But also, we can't put God in a box. It can't be confined to our expectations. He is so much bigger than we imagine or we can think. If you think about an ant sort of under your foot, not about to be squashed, but he's sort of just looking up at your foot, What does he see? He sees the sole of your foot. He doesn't know how complex you are. He doesn't know how big you are. He just sees this thing above him. And you know, sort of, if you think how small an ant is to you, how small are we to the God who created the universe, things we see and things we don't? And yet we think we can tell God sort of what to do. God is so much bigger than us and our understanding. Nothing is impossible for him. He decides things his way because his way is the right way. He does things in his timing because his timing is the right timing. He knows the reason for what he does. We might not know the reason this side of eternity, but God knows. But what we do know is that God has the best for us. And no matter how big he is, no matter how powerful he is, he loves us and he wants us to know him. 
He wants us to be his children who ask him what he wants for us. So so to conclude, let us learn from Jesus and let us invite the Prince of Peace into every area of our life. To know Jesus is to know peace. And if we have no Jesus in our life, then we're not going to have peace. Let's not be like Jerusalem and miss out on the only one that can truly give us peace in our lives. Let's pray. So, Father God, we just thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you that you sent Jesus to go to Jerusalem, but not sort of just to go to Jerusalem, but to then go further and go to the cross. That we could sort of know you through him. That we could have peace in our lives through him. That we can have forgiveness in our lives through him and through what he's done. So we just pray that you would move by your spirit in our hearts and in our minds. Show us the things that you want us to see. And let us hear your voice speaking to us today. Amen.